prosecution outlined how accounting practices what fuck? What? did not What kind of likeness is that? If they were great artists, they'd be in a museum. I'm fucking fodder for cartoonists now. to another episode of gutter boys episode 51 gutter boys is a small press comics podcast that focuses on the ins and the outs and the highs and lows of small press comics i am your host cam here with my co-host jb and uh, today on the back end of the show, we've got very special guest, Noah Van Skyver. Uh, if you're listening to this show, you know who Noah is. He doesn't need another introduction. But before that, of course, we're just going to kind of talk about some comic news that's come across our desks. First off, we have uh, Silver Sprocket announced that former Oni editor Ari Yarwood is joining... Uh, Yarwood has been working with Silver Sprocket since January 2021. Congrats to Silver Sprocket and Ari. Hopefully that will uh, work out for both teams. I don't yeah, know. Ari and Avi. Ari and Avi, yes. Also, speaking of Silver Sprocket and previous guests of the show, they just announced that Good Boy Magazine number one is coming out. And uh, I believe it comes out in August. Yeah, August 2021. Uh, it's solicited right now. You can uh, pre-order it from your shop. Looks like it's got uh, Benji Nate, Michael Sweater, Alex Crocus, Ashley Robin Franklin, Sam Grinberg, Flower Alligator, Dave Mercier. Might have mispronounced that one. Uh, Bastion Najdik, Steve Thusen, and more. And alongside Catboy and Montana Diaries, uh, you can uh, find this title and order it from your local shop now. Looks like it's got a really nice cover price of nine ninety nine, which is, yeah, uh, in my good. opinion, great for an anthology. Ten bucks, find something you might like. Let's go. Yeah. Yeah. 112 pages. Uh, looks like they're full color. So I'll be getting a, a copy. looks like it actually comes out to comic shops on August 4th. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. The cover looks great. Benji's got great style. And uh, yeah, make sure to pick Trying up Good to Boy. Trying to steal our Gutter Boys magazine. <laughs> uh, lightning. <laughs> Damn. Okay. Speaking of uh, upcoming releases, we have Harley Quinn number three. <laughs> Would you get the Hugo Strange vaccine? So, I guess uh, DC has officially made it so that there is a real coronavirus in the DC expanded universe. So, yeah. that's something. Well, you remember a few months back in Batman Black and White, J.H. Williams did the uh, Batman masking up. So, I guess it was only no, a matter it's of all time. Connected. Yeah, it's only a matter of time before it made its way into the DC universe. But yeah. And that's called world building. Yes, that's, that's how you do it, folks. When we say that there is excellent world building in comics, that's not what we're talking about but it is an example of world building nonetheless yeah but the funny thing about this book is dc has solicited it and it literally is uh harley quinn fighting gotham bad guy hugo strange because him and his uh cronies are trying to distribute a bootleg coronavirus vaccine that is just fucking people up so harley's trying to i guess you know stop this from happening but it is really fucking funny that in dc there's like a black market covid vaccine 
and it's just fucking people up. It's just like you have, yeah. you have nothing else to write about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I knew that people with just fried brains before the pandemic couldn't write. But now that we have, you know, a global pandemic still going on about two years in now. And um, yeah, it's good to see that that's affecting all the good brains really well. Yeah, it looks like the writer here, I've never heard of them, Stephanie Phillips. So um, Stephanie Phillips, get a new job. Yeah, you know, I know you probably want to, you know, make sure that the readers can relate to your work, but uh, bootleg COVID vaccines aren't it. Yeah, also the art is pretty bad. Who is the artist on this? Oh, Riley I, Rosmo? Yeah, it's, I don't know who that is. Yeah. It looks bad. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> Are you looking at the cover or the interior pages? I mean, we're though? just talking about this to make fun of it. I mean, it's it's bad. Yeah. I, I don't know anyone. I don't know anyone you that know would be who interested in this. You know who asked me for Harley Quinn comics? My six-year-old niece. Oh, there you go. And she can't even read, so. I think that's the perfect demographic yeah. for a book like this. A six-year-old toddler who cannot read. <laughs> six-year-old that makes toddler. Sense. <laughs> <laughs> All right. We got some other news here. Manga fans rejoice. Demon Slayer really did outsell the entire comic industry in 2020. Totally. So, uh, this is pretty crazy because the comic sales reported here would have been just from Diamond, but with the new distributors, I'm not exactly sure how they're going to play into the mix. But according to the sales figures that have been, you know, projected for the direct to market industry, volume one of Demon Slayer has outsold the entire North American comic market. And what I mean by that is if you added every single comic that was sold in a comic shop via Diamond, this one volume of manga in North America outsold it. So, <laughs> I mean, of course, course, manga is very popular, but it is kind of funny that it seems to be ignored by like your typical big two type shop. They don't acknowledge that manga really is, you know, the top selling comic. It's just really strange that it hasn't made its way into, you know, the direct to market landscape, in my opinion. I mean, of course, you know, some comic shops do have manga, but every comic shop that I've been in, I feel like they push the other shit before the manga. Like it doesn't seem like a, a priority. I could be going right. to the wrong shops, but like every shop that I've been to, Barnes and Noble has a bigger manga section than those comic shops. Yeah, if your shop doesn't have a big titty anime girl statue for sale, that's not the right shop you want to go to. Who's the uh, artist that did the big titty anime girl uh, statue with like milk shooting out of her nipples and it's like <laughs> I don't know yeah it's it's no like idea. it's like famous like and like the milk is swirling all around them it's like a life-size sculpture I forgot who that was if you know who that was let us know because I know I'm not I know, making that shit yeah, up yeah I know the statue you're yeah. referring to that, <laughs> uh, is that the guy that worked with Kanye West is it Murakami it might be Murakami damn okay well Murakami's out there man yeah uh, maybe I'm wrong but I'm pretty sure it's Murakami anyway all right. Well, I think that's it for news. We have uh, some shout outs here that we want to go over. Uh, first, we want to shout out uh, King of Snails. Nails. Snails would be better. Uh, first, we want to shout out Jonathan McBurney, uh, aka Instagram user King of Nails. He is an Australian cartoonist, uh, illustrator, and uh, comic creator. And a gallery curator, it looks like. I think that's what uh, they, they wrote a note and um, they mentioned that they were curating a gallery as well. So Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. If you if you check out their work, it's, it's really amazing. Yeah, really incredible stuff. Like literally got a brick of mini comics, probably 20 plus. Um, haven't made my way through all of them yet, but definitely recommend getting some from Jonathan, you can find them on Instagram at King underscore of underscore nails. Thanks so much for sending us your work, dude. Really, really strong work. Yeah. Th them Aussies can draw. 
Yeah, for sure. And um, if you want to send us comics, we'll be happy to read them and plug you on our social media as well as talk about it on the show. Uh, just DM our account and get our addresses from us. We're uh, always looking forward to checking out new stuff. And uh, this uh, statue, after Googling Big Titty Anime Statue, I was able to pull up a Gawker article for which giant titted anime statue was Kanye West obsessed with? Case closed. Yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> Also, uh, we want to go ahead and announce the Rust Belt Review Anthology, Volume 2 by Sean Knickerbocker. Uh, It is a quarterly comics lit magazine featuring serialized short-form comics from some of the most exciting cartoonists in the small press scene today. Volume 2 presales are now open. Order your copy of Volume 2 by June 14th and receive a kick-ass holofoil sticker. You can order your copy of Rust Belt Review today by going to rustbeltreview.org. Enter in the promo code GUTTER to receive two bucks off your order. Again, that website is rustbeltreview.org, promo code gutter. Uh, so we want to thank Sean Knickerbocker for giving us money. Yeah, for being a patron and advertising on the show. And I feel like we don't push that a lot, but if you want to uh, advertise on our show, like you hear in the middle of the show, beginning, wherever we put them, you can sign up for our Patreon. It's $12 a month. You get four ad reads, try to keep it affordable for the cartoonists. Or you can just, you know, throw us five bucks for extra episodes, 10 for extra episodes and uh, zines. Uh, that's patreon.com forward slash gutter boys. Yeah, we, we broke the 600 mark. Yeah, we uh Crossed $600, crossed 100 uh, patrons. It's only looking up from here. So, um, you know, keep telling your friends about it. We really do appreciate, you know, you all, you know, giving us money. I know that we joke about it a lot on here, but, uh, you know, we genuinely do appreciate the uh, support of the fans and uh, anybody that, you know, chooses to financially support us. And even if you don't, you know, thank you anyways if you're listening. Yeah. The direct market in the big two hate gutter boys yeah we are we're we're uh we're pretty polarizing it seems like <laughs> the more traction we get the more haters we get and you know who taught us about that our old friend ed what's up ed yeah oh damn. congrats to ed for uh selling fifty thousand copies of his recent comic red room yes congratulations ed congrats on uh going <laughs> to the well-established well of multiple variant covers to uh pad out those numbers very nice and before any of you kayfabe stands want to come for us just realize that we've seen your picks of your 25 copies of red room that you purchased the yeah, numbers some are of you padded got, some of you got more than that too which yeah. is wild i don't know what you're gonna do with uh, 60 copies of red room but quick tip for the uh the speculators out there scarcity actually increases value so uh <laughs> you're gonna see those things in dollar bins in a couple years folks but no you know, sh- no that's never happened in the history of comics never, never uh-uh it doesn't happen no, here. no 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 at the end of the day you know fanographics can uh continue to pay the bills this month so thank you mr pisker All right, so we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and when we return, we'll be joined by our guest, Noah Van Skyver, so stick around. We'll be right back. Bastard Galaxia is a free-to-read webcomic available at BastardGalaxia.com. As a space pirate, Bastard Galaxia had everything going for him. A tough crew, a cool name, and a skull for a face. But when these attributes propel him to the top of the world of supervillainy, he quickly finds himself out of his depth. 
comedy, action, and social awkwardness abound, as Galaxia must balance being equally evil and marketable without letting his crew know that he's sold out. If you fondly remember the cartoons of your childhood that were ultimately just thinly veiled toy ads, such as Masters of the Universe, Ninja Turtles, or Transformers, or if you just want to check out some free comics, go to BastardGalaxia.com to enter a world where good and evil are meaningless and action figure sales are God. Follow on Twitter and Instagram at BastardGalaxia and follow the creators Steve Gregson at RoboticsSteve and Matt Simmons at SheriffFreak for more comics, art, and zines. Soggy Landing. Soggy Landing is a tropical island destination full of magic and adventure. Soggy Landing. Soggy Landing's parlors serve the grog of your dreams. So soggy, so strong. Soggy Landing's Board of Tourism warns, Wizards not welcome. Any wizards will be summarily executed. No warlocks either. Soggy Landing's Punch and Judy show you the part when Miss Piggy and Kermit fall. What in the world? Soggy Landing is a webcomic that you can read at studygroupcomics.com. Come to Soggy Landing. There's There's plenty plenty to do in the rain. This program is brought to you in part by a generous donation of $12 by the Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts. At Michael Sweater Foundation for the Arts, we are committed to supporting stuff that rocks. Michael Sweater encourages you to also sign up for the Gutter Boys Patreon and to buy the latest issue of Strangers, Bubbles, and other zines about comics. Also, please make more zines about comics and comics history. It doesn't even have to be good. Also, Silver Sprocket rules. Back from the break, we're joined by Noah Van Skyver from Columbia, South Carolina. He's a pretty well-known cartoonist and uh, also has a YouTube show currently uh, that you should check out. Uh, Noah, how are you doing today? I'm doing just great. How are you? I'm doing well, thank you. Uh, we're just, you know, uh, getting back into the swing of things. Mm-hmm. Am I am I getting my names mixed up? Because for some reason, I thought, Noah, I thought you were based out of Chicago. No, I never lived in Chicago. I was in uh, Columbus, Ohio, and then I moved down here to the South, Columbia, South Carolina. So it's kind of confusing. But okay, what what brought you to the South? My wife just got a job down here, so hell yeah, yeah. nice. <laughs> it really is like that that meme that you guys had of the wife with the dog on the back. It's like a yeah. <laughs> I really I really related to that. I was like, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah same here like my uh my girlfriend has like the uh corporate management job and i just fuck off all day and <laughs> you know it hasn't come to the point where you know she's had to like pick up the slack but i know that if it ever came down to it she could yeah <laughs> so. the clock is ticking man <laughs> yeah yeah well, <laughs> once this unemployment runs out yeah it's yeah. feast or famine you know this cartooning life so i mean i i do pretty well for a bit and then you know like 2020 was a terrible year for me i barely made any money but uh, it's picking up again. So yeah, you can never tell with this kind of career. Well, and you've been doing comics for what? Probably 15 years at this point. Yeah, that's right. 
Okay. And I mean, God, you put out multiple books a year, it seems. So you're pretty like uh, prolific and uh, constantly working on something. You just, uh, there's a short film being made about comic I just ordered from you. I think it was an older story, though. Was it the uh, the lizard? Yeah. Uh, the lizard laughed. Is it, this is the first time you've been adapted into any kind of like other media. Is that correct? Yeah. And it, it was a long time coming. Like the, the guy, Alan Cordell, who's going to make the film, he worked for that. There was like a website called like Super Deluxe. Do you guys remember that? It was like a web. Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. So he's from that. And he wrote to me a couple of years ago about getting the rights to that short story to adapt into a film because he wants to see how that goes. And then if it works out pretty well, he wants to work on like a St. Cole movie, possibly or something like that. So we were just like, all right, let's see how we like working together. So he's been adapting that comic into a film for the past couple of years. And uh, now he's like really ready to, I mean, like adapting as far as like writing it and stuff like that, preparing it. And now he's Mm -hmm. ready to shoot it and he's got a cast together and stuff and they're going to do it in New Mexico. So it's pretty great. I'm really excited to see how, how it goes wild yeah are you gonna go check out the set or be on location with them <laughs> no i don't think so i haven't been back to new mexico like that story is sort of it's based in uh a little bit of my life it was kind of like a revenge fantasy that i had against my father when i was a teenager and stuff so like i haven't been back to new mexico since all that stuff in my real life happened so i don't i don't uh, have any desire like arizona too is like another place i have no desire to go back to <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I read a lot of your work, you know, prior to you coming on in the past couple of days. And, uh, I, you know, I'd kind of forgotten how much of your uh, stories take place, like, you know, in New Mexico and the yeah. uh, Southwest. So, well, it seems anyways, from an outsider's perspective and as a reader, you're always working on something. Do you have any kind of like daily routine that you have set for yourself? I just um, I think I'm a workaholic or something. I wake up at like 545 in the morning and I immediately come into my office and start drawing so I'll, I'll make some coffee and, I, and my wife wakes up around eight. So I have a few hours to just kind of work uh, in silence. And then she goes to work and then I just keep working until she comes home from work. Uh, and we have like dinner together and stuff and I, I can kind of tear myself away. But even sometimes it's like after we have dinner, I'll go sit down and, and work on coloring a page. So I don't know why. I just I just like what I do and I'm, I'm like always ready to do it. In your comics before, you've always, you know, a lot of autobio stuff in addition to a lot of fiction. You know, you have drawn and written about, you know, working a day job. Are you still working a day job or have you finally made it to where? No. no? Yeah, you're sustaining on no, cartoon. Yeah, I, I, I haven't worked a day job in six years. Ooh. Hell yeah, that's awesome. So, that's the move. Yeah, I'm like really, I'm really proud of that. So, like, <laughs> like I, I, every year that passes, I'm like, hell yeah, I got away with it again, you know, like another mm-hmm. year. Yeah, <laughs> just that is definitely the right yeah, attitude but, to yeah. have. Yeah. But that's the key to it, though, is like you have to be really prolific and you have to be really sh- like uh, strategic about what you do as a cartoonist in order to to make it into a career because it can be done. Yeah, but it's you know it's very tricky. Well, let me ask you a question about that because uh, it's yeah. something that I've you know kind of wondered. You put out you know multiple books a year, and I'm not talking about like you know single floppy issues. You'll put out like a uh, quote unquote floppy, but you'll also put out two or three books with like spines in some years Mm -hmm. do you feel that like working at such a breakneck pace do you feel like that is necessary to not have to work a day job or do you feel like that's just part of you being a workaholic it's part of it of being a workaholic like if i you know i could accomplish more if i was like uh you know thinking about like what's in the cultural zeitgeist and trying to design a graphic novel around that right something that would like 
get into like New York Times bestseller mode or something like that. But I just can't work like that. So I, I think uh, I just like to put out a lot of stuff, but it's usually like I'll put out one book of like new material and then the other stuff will usually be like collections of older comics or something that I'm bringing together for the first time. So, um, you know, I, I'm mostly just like working on like one story a year and then as a side project putting like even right now I'm like putting together a collection for fanographics of all the comics. So, like, the, I call them like the mustache and Noah stories from like blamo or from like now like any anthologies that i did like a comic for okay yeah so that's like a little side project but then in the same year because this is going to come out next year i'll have the joseph smith graphic novel come out and that's what you spent the bulk of last year working on right your joseph smith novel oh yeah Yeah, i've been following along on instagram so you know i feel like our listeners of the show are probably gonna be familiar with your work and you know your upbringing uh you know in a mormon household so do you feel like you know the telling of this joseph smith story do you feel like this is something that you had to do like because if i'm not mistaken you're kind of separated from the faith now is that right yeah, that's right. Okay, so did you do you feel did you just feel like you had to do this like because it was like the story that you were raised with and you know what it, what drove you to make this comic? Well, that's what that's what it was. I mean, you know, I I just felt like I needed to figure that stuff out and I wanted to be sure that that it wasn't true. Like the whole thing about um, growing up in that church is that you're supposed to rely on like the burning of the bosom. Like you read the Book of Mormon and you feel this is true. Like you feel it in your chest. And that's how you know it's true. And I never had that experience because I was I was born into it. So as an adult, uh, when I turned 30 years old, I started really reflecting more on that. Like, was that a faith that I should that was actually true and that maybe I belonged in or something? And like, maybe I should go back and explore that and see if there's if, if I feel the burning in the bosom or whatever, you know. So like I uh, that became like my project. Like, I'm going to investigate the origins of that church because I only knew sort of the surface story that they tell you. And, you know, and then I'd seen like the episode of South Park or whatever. So, yeah. So then like for the next six years or something, I just read a lot of books about Joseph Smith. And like I, I visited all the historic sites around the country and I just put together this. It was just like an investigation that was very uh, personal, you know, that was happening on the side. And I, I finished that investigation. I put that and I put it together as a book and I, I came to a conclusion about it, you know. And yeah, I'm just not, I'm just not a believer. I just, I can't, I don't, I don't believe it. I don't believe any of it. Yeah. But see, I felt bad because when I lived in, in Vermont, when I was doing like a fellowship at the Center for Cartoon Studies. I found out, and this was like the beginning of me, like trying to investigate all this stuff. I found out that like his birth site was only a few miles away from the school, like his cabin and stuff. So I dragged like one of the students out there with me because I didn't drive back then. So this poor student had to like go on this like tour of the site with like some Mormon elder like, giving <laughs> right. us a, a tour, and then like at the end, and the tour like ends at like their like little community like uh, center where they try and give you a Book of Mormon and convince you to right. come to the church and stuff. So it's just like super awkward. <laughs> it's like I'm so sorry. I just wanted to see this <laughs> space, you know. And then I and then when I went, I flew out to Illinois a couple of years ago to be like, oh hey John, like John Porcelino, like let's get together. And I flew out to to where he lives in Illinois, and I had him drive me <laughs> to uh, to Novu. Got like him the again. Settlement. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so then John Porcelino had to like walk around all this like historic Mormon stuff with me, and like go through all this. And it was it was I felt pretty bad about it, but I think he had an okay time. I don't know. He didn't he didn't put it in the in the issue of King Cat, so maybe he didn't have a good time. <laughs> not worth not worth King Cat, I guess. Yeah, yeah. 
<laughs> no. <laughs> so we have a friend that was also raised Mormon, but has distanced himself from the faith. Uh, he actually makes comics. His name's Dylan. Mm-hmm. Um, Shout out Drug Dogs. Yeah, he actually will get pushback on his comics, uh, you know, critiquing the Mormon faith from the Mormon community and even from his own parents, oh. you know, and I guess they like talk yeah. about, you know, the work with their friends and, you know, like, oh, he has to stop this. Do you get any kind of pushback from the community on your work? Because, I mean, you're operating at what I'd imagine would be a much larger scale as far as like visibility on your work. It's going to be crazy. I think they haven't they haven't seen the book yet. I, you know what's funny is like that I did a book called One Dirty Tree, which was like about which like touched on growing up in the church and stuff, mm-hmm. and, and it wasn't really it didn't make the church appear in like a good light or anything. But it, it was just like my own experiences, and the church gave me an award for that book. So oh <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> yeah, like I have like a. It's really funny. I have it like in my studio. It's just like the Mormon. What's it called? Mormon Letters Award or something like that for that book. So I don't know. Huh. I think uh, it'll probably be a different. Uh, did you submit it for nomination or did they just like catch wind of it? No, they, they know about it. I mean, I'm an artist that the, a lot of Latter-day Saints follow. So mm. interesting. Yeah. Well, maybe this new book will get another award. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it will. You know? <laughs> I don't know because I I didn't I two time it baby so two straight. time yeah I was I didn't <laughs> I didn't make a book that like is like reverential of the church at all um, mm-hmm. but but I didn't do one that was like that demonized it I just went. I just told it like straight, like here's here's what happened. Right. So uh, you know, because I, I just want like anybody to be able to read it and come to their own conclusion the way that I had to, you know. Yeah. So do you uh, have plans for like where you're going to release this book? Are you going with Fantagraphics like you normally do? Or, well, are you going to pitch it to you know a bigger publisher? Oh, it's um, coming out from Abrams Comic Oh, n- nice, nice. Okay, hell yeah. yeah. Um, I feel like that's going to be a uh, hit for you in the sense of uh, you know library readership and uh, hopefully you know schools. I feel like something that tells the story of that could uh, maybe break well, into that like historical market, which is something that you've kind of flirted with. You kind of dabble. <laughs> on and off with like historical comics is that just something that you're really into just like you know older stuff from like the 1800s 1700s stuff like that yeah i am i am really interested in that yeah i you know there was something when i was younger i was like really fascinated with uh the idea that like where i was living had a whole bunch of people who lived there before Mm -hmm. um And I remember because this is like in Colorado, I lived in Denver and uh, a lot of like old stuff in Denver was still there. Like there was like horse hitching posts on the sidewalk and stuff like that. I just got really fascinated by that and um, started looking in on it. Like I I didn't go to college, but I did take like a a history class in in a community college by my house just because there was like something really interesting about history to me. So, um, yeah, I don't know. That just kind of went into my my comics for some reason. I got I don't know. Yeah, I don't have anything to say about it. I just I like history. So, yeah. Yeah, no, totally. And it's like it's funny because, you know, you'll do work like because you also were a a child in the 90s. I was as well. And so was JB. So I'll catch a lot of the references Mm -hmm. in your work. And they hit harder with me just because I grew up at the same time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll write about loving Jurassic Park. And I'm like, well, how the fuck did Abraham Lincoln come into play here? (laughs) 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 Yeah, but but it's like Abraham Lincoln. But it's like I didn't do like a Civil War book. I did Abraham Lincoln's Depression. Right. Yeah. Such a particular. (laughs) slice of abraham lincoln it's like not heroic at all it's just like here is lincoln how he battled through depression Uh (laughs) yeah little little known bit of uh, history regarding the expanded cinematic jurassic world universe is uh, a depressed abraham lincoln yeah that's right (laughs) yeah it'll be weird like uh in the future when when we're all dead and they are collecting graphic novelists 
you know, is like the complete works of Noah Van Skyver, and it'll be like the hypo, and then right after that will be like my hot date, and it'll yeah. just <laughs> like, like super jarring. You actually just reissued my hot date along with the uh, first five. I think it's the first five mm-hmm. issues in that Blamo book. Is that right with Kilgore? Yeah, and then like a whole bunch of rotten, awful comics that were like in mini comics I had been self-publishing back then. So that'll okay. be really interesting to see what people will think about that stuff. Is this actually Kilgore's last hurrah? Is that I think that was kind of uh, the yeah the build think, around it. I think it is. Yeah, I think because um, Dan. Dan Stafford, you know, he's the father of two. He's an English teacher in school, like for a school. And uh, I think he's just too busy to to keep it up the way that it should be kept up. So I, I think that was kind of the last hurrah. Yeah. Damn. So it's kind of fitting, I guess, that you uh, I feel like your uh, Blamo book was like the anchor of that Kickstarter. Uh, I'm excited to get it. But is it weird for you to revisit that stuff? I mean, because the solicitation of it, it calls them like, you know, it calls attention <laughs> to the fact that it's not up to par with your current work. So yeah, is that, it was, yeah, it was kind of, you know, self-depreciating and funny. But <laughs> yeah, is that like, is it weird for you to reissue that work? Because I mean, you know, you've been in this game 15 years. And one thing that I think that is interesting about your work is when you read it chronologically, you can see your growth as a cartoonist. So, I mean, mm. is that like a weird thing to, you know, kind of look yeah. back on and put together? Yeah, it was really, it was really depressing. And, uh, you know, it's like nostalgic, but it's also a little scary because you're like, what are people going to... You know, drawing comics in 2007 was a lot different than, like, drawing comics in, like, 2021. For sure. You know, so I'm like, how much of this stuff, am I going to get canceled from any of this? Like, is any of this, like, really horrible? I don't know. So, I mean, I just kind of had to put it out there, like, this is for fans only. And uh, (laughs) and then, like, I just, like, wrote, like, a note section in the back of it, basically explaining everything, you know. So, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. It's, uh, you, it's like, who wrote this? Like, a... I was 22 years old when I did some of those comics. So, yeah, really sad. Did you initially plan on like burying those comics forever and Dan pushed you to (laughs) do the book or did you want to do it? Well, it was like a constant conversation because like I always would get messages from people that were looking for those issues because they were trying to complete that run. And I, I had no plans on reprinting any of that stuff. I don't know. I just felt like, well, there's enough people that, that want it. Um, as long as we explain, like, this is going to be, this is pretty bad stuff. I don't know. I just give, give them what they want. And yeah, yeah I mean, I don't know. <laughs> it, it comes down to, do you like money? <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> well, it could be a mistake. I don't know. I, it's too early to tell. The we'll answer see what people is yes. Say about it. Yeah, I do <laughs> like money. Yeah, that's for sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We were talking a little bit earlier uh, about St. Cole being adapted. So how did that mm-hmm. kind of work out? Uh, you mean the lizard left? Uh, sorry, the lizard left. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, he just reached out to me and, and um, asked me if he could get the rights to it. And, you know, I talked to Fanographics about it, uh, Eric Reynolds, just to see, like, what his opinion about, about, like, what kind of money I should get for it and stuff like that. And we came up with a deal. And did it. And then, you know, it took him a couple of years. So like, that's how it, it works. It's like you get the, the option, I guess is what it's called to work on a, on a screenplay based off a comic for yeah. like an amount of time. So then that amount of time kept running out. Mm-hmm. So I would get like a little bit more money in the mail and it was great. <laughs> yeah. It's like, take your time, please. <laughs> yeah. 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 But I mean, it's a short film. It's like, it's super low budget. So it wasn't a whole, it wasn't like a ton of money or anything. It was just like, right more you know it's more just like kind of a fun thing to do like to just see what how somebody else is going to reinterpret your work you know 
And and does that renewal or and that deal in general, does that involve residuals or does that, is that like a separate deal that you have to plan out or how does that usually work? No, I don't think I get any more, uh, you know. So, I it's mean, just I like a flat rate and that's it. Yeah, okay. exactly. And Interesting. We'll see how it goes. And I guess from there, it's just going to be working out contract stuff. So, yeah. Like, are you scared? Like, you know, St. Cole to me, uh, you know, assuming that this first adaptation goes well, like St. Cole is uh, one of the first comics I read by you. That's actually like a longer work as well. So with something that long, are you more inclined to feel like you should be a part of the process? Like, you know, as that's your quote unquote, like baby, that's your project. Like, how do you feel as a creator, people taking your work? Because, you know, some people are really hands on with it. As far as being adapted, some people are really hands off. Like, do you have a preference on, you know, how you'll be able to work within the adaptation? I'm pretty hands on. I mean, I will just let somebody take it and do their own version of it. And if it's great, I'm going to love them. And if it's shit, I'm going to hate them. You know, I, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, you know yeah. and, and it's like totally that whole thing is like dependent on how this this short film works out. Like, we'll see how it goes. I mean, that, that's another reason why it's like, you know, a short film is like, what? where do you how do you even see that stuff? Like you finish it. And then what does he do? He puts it on on Vimeo or something like that. Like, I don't right. Know what yeah, you do. There's like so. a couple like HBO short films I noticed on HBO Max, but yeah, it's weird because nobody really ever looks for short films because no. they're not marketable or anything like that. If anything, it's like, you know, film festival stuff or, you know, right. YouTube Vimeo stuff like you said. Not to yeah. discourage it. It's cool. No, to no, no. Shift. I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, it's totally just an experiment and uh, yeah. I don't have any like high hopes of it leading to some kind of bright future because I don't even, you know, my work being turned into a film or whatever is not that's not even a concern of mine. I don't, I don't seek mm-hmm. that out. Uh, but like, if it was like, if there was a Fonte Bukowski Netflix thing or whatever, I'd want to be involved in that because that, I think that's a, that character um, is probably closer to my heart than anything else. So yeah. I wouldn't want that fucked up, you know? So I do want to ask about that because you do make a lot of autobio comics, but then <laughs> you have a character like Fonte Bukowski who as knowledgeable as he is about the woes of small press, like it's gotta be, you know, a parallel to yourself as well. So do you fictionalize, like when you're doing an autobio comic, you know, you just did that book boring, for an example, which didn't seem like, you know, too crazy to where you'd have to compensate with any kind of, you know, liberties with the storytelling. But when you're making a comic that's autobio, are you staying, you know, faithful to how it went down? Or are you kind of sprucing it up here and there? Uh, I spruce it up like, you know, for just for comedic effects. Some of it's real, some of it's not. Like, you know, there's a lot of autobio comics that are just like a joke. They're like sort of based on something, but then you just kind of take it and spin off from there. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, boring isn't necessarily a, a true story, but it's kind of like how my days were during quarantine. Right. Uh, or like slightly before quarantine. So, yeah, and that was just like, let me capture what my day-to-day is like, just so in the future, if anything changes, I'll remember <laughs> how good I had it or something, you know. And and that is, I mean, I'm having a son, so my that's that's the end of that chapter of my life. Like it's going to be different from here on out, you know. Yeah, congratulations on that. I didn't know if I should bring that up on the air, but I saw your oh, story yeah. post, and yeah, congratulations on you know Thanks. upcoming parenthood, I suppose. So uh, one thing I did want to ask you as well was, uh, you know, in your household, you uh, talk about it in uh, One Dirty Tree. You know, there was a lot of comics, and uh, you know, your brother's involved in comics, albeit the uh, completely opposite end of the spectrum. So how did you gravitate away from superhero comics into to like pretty much like I, I look at your stuff and I feel like uh, you're one of the cartoonists keeping like the underground spirit alive, especially in 2021. You know, comics are getting more experimental and I feel like you're uh, tied to the classic nature of what makes a comic a comic. And I mean that in the best way possible. But how did you avoid getting, you know, stuck in the superhero world when that's where you were? I would assume that's the majority of the material that was around. Well, 
it's like I kind of put that stuff aside. Like I read superhero comics when I was a kid, but then when I became a teenager, I just stopped reading that stuff and I became a skater. And then I wanted to be a painter and stuff. And I, so I just didn't, I dropped out of that whole scene. And then uh, I like discovered alternative comics when I was 20 years old. And then that became like, oh, wow, I can actually tell stories and stuff in, in comics that don't have to be the superhero comics that I was so familiar with. Like, I didn't know about, like, fanographics or any of that stuff. And so that just became my focus. Like, I had never had any interest in becoming a superhero artist. Like, I just didn't I just didn't think that stuff was cool after a certain point, you know? Yeah, for sure. So what were you reading that got you back into it? Like you said, you discovered, like, a fanographics book. Was it, like, Hate and Eight Ball and, like, The Usual Suspects? No, what happened was I I rented just totally blind. I rented the documentary Crumb from a mm-hmm. blockbuster and I watched that and I didn't know anything about him and stuff. And it just like blew my mind that there was this whole underground comics thing that happened. So I started looking more into that and I went to like a Mile High Comics that was like next to my apartment. And I was like, uh, hey, do you guys have any like our Crumb comics? And the guy pulled out a volume of the complete Crumb from behind the counter. It was like totally <laughs> hidden. It was weird. It's like you're just like selling it, I guess, but it was like behind the counter. <laughs> it's like dirty magazines. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. so weird. <laughs> so I, I bought that and then just like ate it up and then I saw that it was like Fanographics books, published it. So then I looked them up and I just was like turned on to all this other stuff. It was crazy. It was like the most amazing time. Like it was like discovering punk rock or something as a suburban kid. And so, uh, and uh, I remember I had like a little art show and the this guy was like, uh, he saw my work and he was like, this looks like underground comics. Like, have you ever read that book, uh, Rebel Visions? And it was like a fanographics book that came out that was about underground comics. And he, he gave me a copy of it and I just devoured that book. And that was like the beginning of my education, you know, my comics education. So I was just like on a totally different path. Like I, I there was never any chance for me to have been deluded enough to think I could work in mainstream comics, you know? <laughs> Yeah, for sure. That's kind of where I'm at, too. It's just like I realize I'll never be able to work there, so I have no desire to even try. No, and what is even ma- – I mean, who cares? Like, that, fuck that stuff anyway. Like, like, yeah, why for sure. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Ramon, we don't give a fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, we mentioned a lot of different cities and states. So, uh, what's what was going on there? Why were you moving constantly? Well, I was born in New Jersey. Yeah. I lived there until my parents – split and my dad ran off to New Mexico. So my mom, my mom was originally from Arizona. So she moved whatever kids were still with her. Uh, and I'm one of the youngest. So I was, okay. I, there's nine kids in my family. Oh she, yeah. Yeah. She moved us to Arizona and then I would go down to New Mexico to, to visit my dad like twice a year. And then we were in Arizona and then she got a job in Colorado eventually. And then we moved up to Colorado. So I lived up there and then I got a fellowship at CCS. So then I finally left Colorado, went to Vermont. Then from Vermont, I moved to Columbus, Ohio, because I heard that's where like all the alternative cartoonists were going to be living. And uh, yeah, I was there and met my wife and then she moved me down here to the South. So I've been all over. Yeah, I'm guessing you're packing light. That's right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just thinking about those moves and just uh, it's making me go insane a little. (laughs) A lot of moves. Yeah. How was your uh, experience in Columbus? I feel like uh, you were doing some work in the paper. I remember seeing Mm. you post, but like as far as like the connection to the cartooning scene, did you feel? Like, do you feel like there was a good scene there? Do you feel like it was overrated? Man, I had such a great group of friends there. It was Uh that, you know, my wife felt really bad taking me away from there because I... I never have like a good solid. It's really hard as an adult to get like a group of friends. I don't know. I just can't do it. And so I had one there and like Tom Spurgeon was still alive. And I lived with him at first for a while there when I first moved to Columbus. And it was it was just great, man. We just drink beers and talk about comics. 
Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I don't know. Yeah, it, it was awesome. I liked Columbus a lot. And I would go to the Billy Ireland and, and like look through old comic strips all the time and stuff. It's a great, it's a great city. Definitely. Yeah, yeah I love visiting. I love CXC. Yeah. You know, definitely. it's a really good show. This is completely off topic. I was trying, I was talking to a friend of the show, Josh Pettinger, and hmm. I was trying to find a strip to send him that I could have sworn you did. Did you do a strip about tabling and Santoro coming up to you? And saying like, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, I did. okay, okay. I was looking for that, and I was just like, oh, God, man. it was one of the funniest I, fucking things. I, uh, I should. Re- I think about reposting all the time, but I know that that strip really hurt his feelings. Oh, oh did it? Okay. Uh, even no. though it's it's absolutely true, he fucking did that. He was just like, dude, you're like my favorite cartoonist and all this stuff. And I was like, wow, really? Wow, because I was kind of under the impression that like Frank Santoro is like a tastemaker of comics, you know? Right. Yeah. I was like, wow, if he likes my work, that must mean I'm doing something right this is great and then uh he like followed me on instagram i was like oh my god i can't believe he's following me and then it was like seriously like the next week he unfollowed me <laughs> and i was like what <laughs> what the hell and i did a comic about it and i posted it, and then it just wound up getting shared all over the place and uh he he wrote me like privately and was like hey man you know i'm really sorry about that you know what fuck it man let's just be friends man let's just be friends and i was like okay <laughs> so I, I was weird and then i got so i took down the comic and then he fucking unfriended me again. So I was, like, <laughs> so I was just like, all right, all right, whatever. I, I stopped. I didn't even take it personally after that. Like, I'm just like, whatever. That's just yeah. how he is. Yeah, he's, he's wild. He uh, has like eight different Instagram accounts and he just goes wild on all his burners. It's it's really <laughs> it's really entertaining. Um, I don't know if Frank listens. I talk to him sometimes and, you know, it's yeah. all love over here, Frank. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I like I like him. I'm, I'm a fan of his comics and all that stuff. And, that, you yeah, know, like him yeah. liking my work obviously meant a lot. So. I don't know. Totally. Yeah, we've talked yeah, positively no, I, uh, about him in his school for, you know, for the most part. Yeah, mm-hmm. but but we shoot it straight here on Gutter Boys and right, that yeah. strip was really fucking funny. <laughs> I was <laughs> yeah, trying yeah. to find I it mean, the I, other day. I can send it to you. I have it. I still have it on my computer. Yeah, uh, you should uh, you should just repost it. Fuck it. You should. Um, you <laughs> yeah. definitely should. Yes. And do another uh, an update where he unfollowed you again. Yeah, right. yes. yeah part two. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Well, I thought it was really funny because like I also I was influenced by. Uh, did you ever see like Sammy Harkum's collection of comics that he did? Yeah. Are you talking about like the the uh, uh, what was that book called? Everything together yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He did like a comic about I think where like it's just like cartoonists and cars and they're just like talking shit. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And then he did like another one about like talking to frank santoro's dad mm-hmm. and so i was like kind of inspired by that like i'm gonna draw like a about like a conversation with a cartoonist and that was like what got me interested in doing that strip i guess i don't know but yeah it's pretty funny yeah it was good stuff i feel you like should, you're, not uh, yeah. a, you're not a real cartoonist until you have a major you know figurehead follow and unfollow you who else sammy harkham like does that to me all the time Follow, you know <laughs> Ed Pisker, fucking Ed Pisker, follows me, unfollows me all the time. I'm like, why do you guys do this? Is this something yeah. that... It's what like, if, if anything, just go and look at the page, you know, because if you're like, you know, just yeah. go look at the posts. Like, why are you playing this game? It's so weird. Well, I don't unfollow anybody. Like, if I follow you, I'm just going to, I'm ride or die. I'm just going to fucking stick around. <laughs> <laughs> so when I notice people that do that, I'm like, what? What's wrong with them? Like, this, that's like shit. Noah, so a, I, a man of integrity. Yeah, that's go. right. Yeah. Love to see I'll it. only unfollow you if like I see you, if I catch you talking shit somewhere. I'm like, all right, I'll unfollow you. But like, that's, <laughs> that's it. That's, that's what it takes. 
another project that you're uh, working on, you've got your own YouTube channel now. And uh, I believe, what is it, every Sunday you have a conversation, Sunday mornings, if I'm not mistaken? I used, yeah, I, I was doing those like live stream ones uh, where mm-hmm. I would just like throw the link out and invite anybody who, like, who just happens to be watching to just like come in and, and start talking. Yeah, it was that disastrous. I saw you were doing that. Um. (laughs) It's a funny idea to just be like, anybody who's watching, let's have a chat, man. And like, it worked out pretty well. But like, I just, I didn't take the streams down. I just privated them because uh, YouTube was fucking with my channel for having too many live streams. They don't like, they're, I don't know, they're kind of a weird thing. Like, I think they like stopped promoting it or something or like stopped recommending it. So like, I wasn't, it just felt like my channel was kind of halted. I need to do like more short videos to, so my channel grows. Cause I just, all I really like to do is just have conversations on there. Right. Um, yeah. I've, yeah. So is that your, uh, are you planning on keeping that going for a while? Like what's your, uh, yeah, I got like, I have like four guests. I have all these people that are like, have just agreed to do one. So it seems to be going pretty well. And like, these are like like pretty high profile guests that I just asked like as like a fuck it kind of thing. Like, let's just see what they say. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be good. I, I'm going to keep it going. Cause I really like it. Like, it's just really fun to do. And I think, uh, you know, all this stuff is like needed, like your pot, your podcast and like all the comics channels and stuff like that. Like all this stuff is needed because not enough people are even talking about what we do, you know, what we're interested right. in. So I, I don't know. Like, I like putting it out there. I like talking to artists that like nobody else is talking about. Like people put out books and like nobody even writes about them. So, you know, yeah, it's I, like I it's such a small scene that like, uh, you know, the coverage, the crumbs are very limited. Um, yeah. So anything that we can, you know, do as a community to put, you know, ourselves and, you know, our peers on a pedestal, I think is, you know, good news. So yeah. I think it's cool that you're doing that. And I think it's cool that, you know, you don't have a plan on stopping it because I think the conversations we have on here are great. And I feel like, uh, you know, you're having pretty much like, you know, there, there are these conversations that you have with other creators and cartoonists to where if you're in the scene, you appreciate them so much more because it's very isolating to be a cartoonist. Like you said, you know, Mm -hmm. it's hard to find that group of friends. And a lot of the times we're working in isolation and we can't talk with our partners about this stuff. We can't talk about our normal friends with this stuff. So I think it's very important that uh, we have different avenues to have these conversations. So, uh, yeah, thanks, man. I just want to say, like, I think that it's also it's been really good for uh, people who are who want to be cartoonists, too. Like, I've gotten so many great emails and like even mail from people who are like struggling cartoonists themselves. And they're, they get a lot out of just hearing two working cartoonists have a conversation like very casually. There's a lot of wisdom that's just kind of thrown out there casually. that I'm like, damn, that's great. You know? Yeah, for sure. Well, I was going to say that, that there seems to be a kind of shift in small press comics right now with things like more distros popping up. And more fanzines popping up like Bubbles and Strangers. And yeah. uh, I, I think even, you know, as much as we maybe don't like Ed, uh, the reality is, is that cartoonist kayfabe, whether directly or indirectly, has drawn more attention to small press Mm-hmm. to sort of like a larger audience, maybe people that probably wouldn't have bothered reading this stuff yeah. otherwise. Uh, yeah. so, uh, that's called the kayfabe effect. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. nobody's, I mean, nobody's talking about that. Like, uh, you know, the stuff that they, that they show off is just great because like, where else are you going to know that any of this stuff exists? Like, it's just amazing. I, I, I'm so happy about all that, you know? Yeah. They, and, do, yeah. they do good work. So yeah. And it definitely feels like now more and people are having kind of like consistent access to these books and zines and floppies that, you know, five years ago, nobody would have paid attention to or known about. Yeah, definitely. And I, I mean, also, like, selfishly, like, I had to start my YouTube channel because last year I had uh, the complete Fonte Bukowski book come out. 
and it was like the day that like all the bookstores shut down. Fuck. And yeah. I just felt like, and also on top of that, like I just, I knew going into this, like nobody's going to write about this book. Like nobody's going to write about these comics. It's just like, I better try and talk about my own work and like gather up people who would like it in like one place and just like have a relationship with them because like I just feel like I'm not like contributing comics that are good for the culture or anything they're just like they're just like shit stories like people like being mean to each other and all this stuff like who's gonna what kind of good press am I gonna get from this like I better be my own press you know yeah it's totally like DIY and I think that's like uh one thing that is great about you is you'll do a book that's, you know, published with great distribution. And then you also will do a fucking floppy that you're selling for, you know, 10 bucks and you're hand mailing yeah. and addressing all those envelopes. I, yeah. I really do appreciate that, you know, you've got your foot in both like the DIY world as well as like uh, the, the elite cartoonist uh, world of being published. <laughs> I'm not in the, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I, I see what you mean. The yeah. elite cartoonist world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The ne- that Netflix all, like, money, baby. Yeah. Yeah, right. I just feel like super stoked to even talk to you guys. Like, I don't feel like I'm, I feel like an outsider all the time. Like still, I just feel like an outsider. And I don't, I just, I don't know. Like you'll get like a few listens on this or whatever. And like, that's the way it'll go. Like, I don't, I don't know. I'm just, I've never been like a hip cartoonist. So So I was just like. Well, you've done everything at Fanagraphics. Is that just because you're comfortable doing books there? Like, you know, even you look at uh, even like Klaus, you know, Klaus jumped over to Drawn and Quarterly for a while. Is Are you just loyal to your publisher? Or? Yeah. I mean, Fanagraphics is awesome, though, man. Like, yeah, they're, they're amazing as far as like the work they put out and everything like that. And they let you do whatever you want. You know, like you can pitch them like if they've worked with you before and they you have a good relationship with them, they'll just like let you do what you want. I could write something and be like, I'm going to do a book that's just nothing but drawings of like, uh, I don't know, like hands or something. <laughs> and they would put it like on Fantagraphics Underground, like at least. They're just really supportive people. So, you know, it's like a family at this point. I really like them a lot. Hell yeah. Uh, I read somewhere that you were not formally trained as an artist, right? No, no, not at all. <laughs> okay. So how did you get yourself into drawing regularly and then kind of growing and developing as an artist with your own voice? Well, I was like my family was like all about that. Like my my mother was an art student. Uh, so she kind of she always kind of imposed creativity on us and stuff. So we we're always drawing. My father actually just sent me like a file of uh, my childhood drawings that he had kept. And it was amazing to look through that stuff. So I, I just always was I always drew. I don't know. It's just, I just always was doing it. I think that's like probably a common answer for like any cartoonist. You just never stopped. Right. Yeah. Do you have any interest into going into any kind of like program or school involving, you know, art or fine art or comics? Nah, not, not at this point. That's, that's I, the I mean, correct I, answer. Yeah. Like yeah. going to school for cartooning is kind of weird. It is. Uh, yes. It you is. really don't need, I mean, you just read some comics and just go off your own taste. And if you can, um, you know, internalize different things from reading a lot of comics and you can figure it out. I mean, you really don't need a comics education. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I do want to ask, you know, talking about comics education, one of my favorite stories of yours is still from Blamo 9 and it's the uh, story <laughs> <laughs> where you were at the Center yeah. for Cartoon Studies and uh, you made fun of the weeb and uh, got in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> Did that actually happen? <laughs> Dude, I'm coloring that story right now. That's why I'm laughing. Like, I'm, I'm coloring it because I'm going to include it in this book that I'm working on. Nice. For oh, okay. So, uh, well... 
how do I, I always answer this? Cause it, people ask me this, like that didn't happen, but everything in it is true. Like, you know what I mean? Like none of those things necessarily <laughs> happened, but everything in it, it was true about my mm-hmm. time there. You know, it was very, it was 2015. So that was like the beginning of that, of like this new world of like safe spaces and stuff. That I just didn't know anything about. So I, Oh, I thought you were going to say my, it was the new world of white people drawing like Japanese people. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that was a big thing too, but it was just like, but when I got there all of a sudden I was very conscious of like, or I was made conscious of the fact that like, you have to be careful. Like don't, hurt people's feelings and stuff like that because i just didn't i I don't know i yeah so like i was very shocked by it at first and that that comic was like my you know about me like realizing that and you know and here we are now (laughs) all these years later and stuff but yeah so uh yeah it was it was a very i just kind of i had to kind of keep to myself when i was there it was it was very uh very dramatic being there yeah i think you conveyed that well in the comics so uh (laughs) yeah yeah, that's But it's good. It's a great. It's a great story. It's cool that you're collecting that because uh, I think it's just like a really funny, well-rounded story. Oh, uh, man, I did like a diary. You know, like the Comics Journal does diary comics. Yeah. Um, I did I did some diary comics for them when I was at the school. And I remember uh, going to Cab in Brooklyn, the Brooklyn show, and Dan Klaus was a guest. And I was talking to him and he was like, your diary comics made me never want to visit that school. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and that school just wants clouds to visit. Like that's the oh, end game. Love it. <laughs> I praise. Love it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I wrecked it. Probably not anymore. They don't think they would really care about having clouds there. But yeah, right. At right. one time, yeah, yeah. Hell yeah. All righty. So we're going to go ahead and get into listener questions. As always, if you want to participate with the show and send questions to our guests or us, uh, follow us online at Gutter Boys Pod on Instagram and Twitter. We usually put like a ask me anything box thing up on our stories. Or if you just want to DM us or email us at gutterboyspodcast at gmail.com. Actually, you know, we've said this a lot recently, but Noah broke the record for the most submitted questions. Hey, there you go. Previously held by previous champions were Caroline Cash. And I think Ben Sears came in and, uh, not Caroline off and now Noah just came in and just shit on both of them so um <laughs> but yeah oh we also have a discord if you want an invite to that we uh, accept questions in there but let's just go ahead and get this started on Instagram user Benjamin C Montrell asked two questions pop tarts or toaster strudel and have any unique or strange collections that are not comics uh <laughs> i don't eat pop tarts or toaster strudels and collections that are not comics uh no not really i mean i huh I'm looking around my room now. (laughs) (laughs) Scanning. (laughs) Yeah. No, not really. I mean, I have like, I mean, look, does original art count? Probably not, huh? Because it's, I I guess it's like adjacent. Yeah. 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 No, I don't, I don't, I don't collect anything weird. Yeah. I guess with all the moves, it's a good thing, right? Yeah, that's true. That's very smart. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Instagram user Midnight Mastermind asked, what does Noah's research process look like for his historical comics? Uh, Well, for the one I just finished, it it was travel, a lot of photography, uh, reading a whole bunch of biographies and cross-referencing them, watching online documentaries and like, you know, recreate, you know, like the church had its like a whole bunch of movies that they made i watched all those to see like what their take on all that stuff was uh yeah just a lot of note taking and a lot of sketching and stuff if you if you're on my patreon you've seen like i i posted a whole bunch of my process stuff on there recently it's a ton it's a ton of work nice so are you when you take a trip for a book research are you writing this all off on your taxes hell yes i am hell yeah (laughs) 
That's so funny. I was just talking to, to John Porcelino on the phone today, and we were, that's all we were talking about was like taxes and like how, like, can you write that off? Or like, what do you do if you get somebody buys original art? Like, is that taxable? Like, I was just asking him all these questions. He, he's been around. He knows it all. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure you can write off practically anything, really. Yeah. yeah. You're just probably going to get audited. I heard if you try to write off funny things, you're like <laughs> 90% likely to get audited or something like that. So, uh, but keep as long those as you receipts. got, you know, yeah, as long as you got the receipts, you're good. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I, yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to be doing that when I work on my, my monthly uh, history of strip clubs uh, book. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> going to have all my ends covered there. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, next question came from friend of the show, Alejandra Gutierrez. Uh, Alejandra asked, ask Noah why he left me at the orphanage all those years ago. Mm, such a shame. Some kind of, yeah, it must be a joke. <laughs> we don't do jokes on the gutter boys. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Instagram user Detron Austin asked, yeah, ask him how much he loved doing Comic Fest at Starfest. <laughs> those were... <laughs> Those were miserable comic shows in uh, Denver. Starfest was like a Star Trek festival. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, God. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Comic Fest was this show. It was like a mainstream show, but very tiny. And they would kind of give like the local cartoonists a table in the hallway. So I would sit there like in the the hallway where people were just walking by. And they brought out, I remember one one year I went, it would, because they only, they could only like afford to have like a couple guests, like actual mainstream guests. So one year it was like Brian Wood and. Oh. Somebody who worked on a comic called like Xanadu or something like that. I can't remember. It was it was really weird. And, that uh, sounds familiar. Uh, whenever Brian Wood would like walk by my table, I'd be like Brian, and I thought it was really funny. <laughs> and he just got super fucking annoyed. <laughs> He'd like trying to like walk around me like the like, Brian. <laughs> So I'm assuming you didn't sell well at these shows, given the uh, oh, clientele. God, and that's the show where uh, one time I let John Porcelino sit with me at the, at my desk and try to to sell King Cat. And this guy came over, and John had like really really bad OCD. He was like a germaphobe. This guy came over with like you know uh, seven inch long fingernails, like he was not trimming his fingernails on one hand, and he they were all chunky and yellow. And he was flipping through all of John's comics with like with his like long fingernails and touching everything, and John was. <laughs> like losing his mind <laughs> just like no yes. no 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 <laughs> it's a tax write-off if he gives it to him okay so yeah, yeah. And, then, and then like the guy didn't even buy it because that's what happens like people come to your table and they like look through your stuff and they try to make small talk and you're just hoping they buy your comic and then they're always just like good stuff and then they walk away yeah, right <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> the nod, yeah. the wave, yeah. and the bye. Oh. And then when they walk back by your table later in the day, they like avoid eye contact. Yeah. Or they'll do the yeah. finger guns. Yeah. Yeah. Be like, hey, I remember you. We talked. Yeah, it's humiliating. <laughs> I love the uh, I love the whole, uh, I only have a set amount of money. I'm going to make a lap yes. and I'll come back. Yeah. That's oh, <laughs> the man. best. Every show, several times. Yeah. They do that. Totally. And it's like, it's like you don't, like, you don't have, have to tell me this. I'd rather you not. Venmo on my phone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> in fact i'd rather you pay that way who does cash <laughs> yeah right <laughs> yeah all righty uh, next question came from instagram user dance teams baker uh worst part about working at panera and do you recommend it my location is hiring mm. uh i worked at panera bread for a long time and i would i worked the 545 shift so i would wake up really early 
walk through the snow and the pitch black, go open the store, and then uh, set up the line. And then make like egg sandwiches until two o'clock. It was good because like I had the guys that all worked there, they were all in their thirties. Like we we're all losers. So we just joked around a lot and like had a good time. But I remember I had direct deposit. So I'd like look at my phone and look at my bank and be like, I didn't get paid this week. And then the boss would be like, yes, you did. <laughs> be like, <laughs> oh, shit. So I got like no money at all. I remember I like a uh, per week towards the end there. I started only working there part time and I would get like $250 a week. So eventually I was just like, fuck this. I'm not doing this shit anymore. But I don't know. It's okay. It's an okay job. Well, I can confidently say in this case, my dad is a huge fan of your work. Uh, he loves Panera Bread. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> I still like it. He doesn't it. read I, comics, but... <laughs> I, I I worked at Panera Bread, and then before that, I worked at Einstein Brothers Bagels, which was, I guess, okay. a, oh, more yeah. Western. And I worked there for a long... I worked at the corporate concept store, so oh, we cool. had all the corporate guys hanging around all the time, and it was pretty... That was pretty um, irritating. Oh, <laughs> I thought you meant, like, you got to try out all the new recipes no, when you no, said no. They were, concept yeah. store. It was just, yeah. They were always in there, like, a, you know, some guy in a suit who's, like, never made a sandwich would, like, come over and try and give me advice on how to do my job better. It was, like, right. really, really annoying right. like that. I always worked terrible jobs. I never had a job that that made any real money. I, I had, like, no skills. It's just, I, I don't know. Like, I'm a, I'm a loser, honestly. Like, I, I there's no way. Like, if this didn't work out, I would just go back and work at Starbucks or something. I, I have no other options. Like, no career path ahead of me, you know? Yeah, yeah well, you here, know, you're, to be honest. <laughs> you're a cartoonist on a cartoonist podcast, so. That's true. You know. Look at me now. <laughs> we, yeah. We're all very much in the same kind of pool yeah. of lo- loserdom. <laughs> we're all going to yeah. work together after this. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You guys just want to franchise a Panera? Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There you go. Kickstart it. <laughs> there you go. Oh, man. And I worked at – do you guys know what Qdoba is? Oh, yeah. yeah. I worked at Qdoba for a bit. And uh, at the end of the shift, you know, it was like I'd, I'd be closing and we'd, we'd have to like lock the doors and then like break down all the equipment. And you'd be pouring chemicals on the grill and like this hot chemical steam would just be shooting in your face. <laughs> You'd yeah, just be really like, good. Uh, <laughs> moving all these like refrigerators and ovens out of the way against the wall and like mopping up all the grease. Ugh, it's, fu- it's so miserable. Yeah, this is uh, yeah, this is what comics is like, folks. Yep. Uh, you draw, and then you do this. <laughs> yeah. uh, pretty fire queso, though, if I must say. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. I'll still <laughs> eat a Qdoba every once in a while. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Yuletide Lady from Instagram asked, favorite fast food and favorite memory with Simon, not the sandwich incident. Oh. I'm assuming Simon Hanselman. <laughs> yeah, Simon Hanselman. Okay. One time he gave me a, what was the sandwich incident? I got sick. I was always getting sick from Simon because Simon, <laughs> I don't know. He's probably better now, but maybe he was just filthy or something. Like, yeah, I was always... <laughs> One time he, I, that what happened was at a, at a cake in Chicago. I, I was tabling next to him. We were talking, and he was like on pills or something, and he was drinking a Red Bull. <laughs> and he was like, "Here, you can have some of my Red Bull." And I was like, "Okay." And I drank some of it, and then he was like, "Oh, I have such a cold right now. I shouldn't be here." <laughs> I was like, "What?" And it was like like a day later. Like I'm like, oh, I feel like a little tickle in my throat. I'm like, "Oh, damn it." Yeah. <laughs> so that my favorite fast food is, um, I don't know, probably maybe Burger King. Burger King's pretty good. Or Taco it's underrated. Bell. Yeah. Yeah. Taco Bell, you get more bang for your buck. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. 
Yeah. Taco Bell's always brought up on this show, especially now uh, everybody's happy that they brought the potatoes back. <laughs> it's a theme of recent episodes. <laughs> we really yeah. need to get that sponsorship going. Yeah, we really do. I think we could actually do well with the Taco Bell promo code. Oh, are you we kidding me? We got dick pill promo codes and that didn't do too well. Right. <laughs> Who knew? Who knew that dick yeah. pills wouldn't sell on a small Who knew press that comic podcast? fans that don't get laid? <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Didn't need boner pills. <laughs> yeah. Big dick boss Chris Ware definitely needs dick pills. <laughs> <laughs> all righty let's see next question came from oh here you go nate garcia friend of the show wrote in with Ooh. his question that he asked everybody uh noah please be honest what did you have for breakfast today <laughs> oh man i had a actually you're gonna think this is weird i had a blueberry bagel with hummus on it oh and, and a, a glass of uh v8 juice Low, so, low, low sodium that, V8. That is a okay. very chaotic breakfast. Yeah. Is <laughs> that like a, I'm getting rid of shit or is that just something that you normally make? I just didn't feel like making anything more elaborate. Yeah. But blueberry. Uh, you know. Yeah. It's yeah, like a it was, sweet and savory thing going on, yeah, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's actually really good because I used to do that at uh, Panera Bread or at Einstein Brothers. I would always have like a blueberry bagel with some kind of like savory cream cheese or like oh. hummus on it. Hmm. Okay, I'll All right. try that, I guess. Might sometime. try it yeah. out. Yeah, I can see it working. It just doesn't sound good in theory, but <laughs> ultimately, yeah, right. I can see it working. <laughs> yeah, I guess that could be good if it didn't sound like complete trash. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> uh, friend of the show, uh, Instagram user Alex Nall, he asked, what's your happiest memory in comics and your saddest? Oh, well, saddest is like, I've lost a lot of cartoonist friends. Right being in here a lot of people that have known over the past 15 years have passed away it's actually surprising how many but um the happiest was uh I, I think I've told this before, but like I, oh, I wanted the Ignatz Award so bad, and uh, I kept losing it and stuff. And then I went to the last time I went to SBX, it was like the Fantagraphics anniversary party, and so all the Fantagraphics artists were there. And Daniel Klaus is like one of my heroes in comics, so he was there, and I was sitting in the front row next to him. And then they called out my name. I won the Ignatz Award, and I went up to get it. And I was totally shocked. And then I went back and sat down next to Dan Klaus and Jack Cohen, like took my my picture. And I looked so happy. Like I've never seen myself look that happy before, you know. So I think <laughs> I think that was probably the most memorable experience in comics for me. That, that's you know? a pretty solid memory. Yeah, for yeah. real. I mean, like, you know, the godfather of alternative comics, at least today anyway. And, yeah. you know, arguably. And, you know, you got a nice award out of it. Yeah, holding the brick. Yeah. Holding the brick on a piece of wood. <laughs> I know, and now now that brick just like sits next to my window. I don't know what to do with it. Yeah, prop up the window with it. Nobody believes it's an award. (laughs) I always like, you know, like it's really funny. Like I get, you know, of course, why it's a brick mounted to a piece of wood, you know, with the crazy and Ignatz thing. But it's just like, you know, in small press, like that's our Eisner. And can you imagine, like, Mm -hmm. you know, somebody coming over your house and you just like the most like prestigious thing you have is just a a brick mounted to a piece of wood. (laughs) Yeah, it's (laughs) like when you just break it down into literal, like no, of course it means way more than that but it's just really funny that like this is the ultimate prize it's a fucking brick for us man one time i i was i was had, having one of the fanographics dinners after spx and the hernandez brothers were there and it was like some year that like they just like swept the ignace awards they like won all these ignaces and they didn't even take them and uh we were, <laughs> I mean, we were at flex. dinner and i think like jack cohen or somebody was like hey do you guys you, did you guys get your ignace awards like are you gonna take them back or whatever and, and gilbert hernandez is like some fucking bricks <laughs> I'm going to take some fucking bricks on the plane? Like, what? <laughs> right, though. Gilbert's like, that'll look really good 
next to my lifetime eyes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. They must be like at the point where awards mean nothing. It's like you've been around the industry so long. Yeah. It's like, you know the score. You don't really care about that kind of stuff. Totally. Alrighty. Uh, Instagram user Paul along the Watchtower asked, would like to know more about his coloring process. I feel like you uh, you talk about this often on your Instagram. Everybody wants to know about it. I just, yeah. All it is is like uh, multiple layers. Like I do like a, a layer of like watercolor, a layer of ink wash and, and some colored pencils. And then I just put them all together in Photoshop. And then I'll do like a layer of just flat computer coloring underneath that just to boost everything up. Oh, That's okay. All. Yeah. So I, I assumed it was something like that. Yeah. I feel like if you make art, you could tell what, you know, it's different layers and everything, but it looks really yeah. cool. The end product looks amazing in my opinion. Thanks. So you're, you're taking multiple kind of printouts of the same drawing or, or light boxing? I, yeah, light box. Yeah. I scan in all these. Um, so I'll, what I'll do is usually take the, the comic page to a photocopier and photocopy it down so it'll fit on my little light box. And then I'll take some, uh, like card stock and do different layers of ink wash on the light box over the drawing mm-hmm. and then scan those in and put them all together in Photoshop. And then you'll add like texture with like, is it crayon or colored pencil? It looks yeah, like Yeah, I'll put a colored pencil in there sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. So it's a nice little merging of analog and digital. Exactly. Totally. I don't like too much digital and I, and I don't like clean coloring because my artwork is messy. So I like to have coloring that kind of suits that the drawing style. Yeah, mm-hmm. that makes sense. Instagram user Mason the Princess Bride asked, about how many drafts will you go through before settling on a final page layout or dialogue? I don't do any of that. I just do like direct one, <laughs> like one go at it for the most part. Like for the, bla- like I'm working on a new issue of Blamo like right now on my desk. And like I, I have like a couple notes about like what I'm going to do, but I just go directly to the page. I don't really think about that stuff at all. Do you clean it up in post or just no, kind of leave? Uh-uh. Yeah. Just, yeah. Nice. Scan it in. Hell yeah. All righty. Instagram user Swamp Alex. Ask him what are his plans for White Boy Summer. You can say it was me if you want. Well, Alex, we always say who it is. <laughs> Fake fan, bro. <laughs> White Boy Summer. <laughs> yeah, so what are your plans for White Boy Summer? Um, I'm going to go to Edisto Beach with my pregnant wife, and mm-hmm. uh, we're going to wear some straw hats. And down there, there's some crabs that climb up trees, so that's pretty fun to observe. And... Uh, <laughs> 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 I don't know. <laughs> White boy summer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I don't really have any plan. I mean, I, you know. I, I think Tom Hanks's kid is the one who's behind this. Like he, uh, the one who's always uh, saying the N word. He, uh, oh. Yeah, he said this is going to be the summer of white people, and it's white boy summer. Why would he say that? <laughs> Why? I, I, this yeah, I question <laughs> would be better if we have Ed Pisker on the show eventually. <laughs> <laughs> Famously loving the N-word. <laughs> Ed Pisker? <laughs> yeah, Ed Pisker. He says the N-word? Well, uh, in Hip Hop Family Tree Volume 1, in the uh, foreword, if you look, it says it's for all the blank no. down from day <laughs> one. But here's the thing. I'll send you a picture after we finish this. But the oh, ca- so here's the thing. He used like the the traditional like symbols, you know, when you when you're like cartooning and you like, you know, it's yeah. like a star and a asterisk oh, or whatever. Okay. But you could tell exactly what letters he was going for. Yeah. With <laughs> the symbols he used for. <laughs> so the first page of Hip Hop Family Tree is just Ed saying this is all for all the real N-words. Oh, Ed, what are you doing, man? <laughs> yes, White Boy Summer uh, is in full yeah, effect, baby. It's been White Boy career, man. Uh, no, but, uh, oh, fuck. yeah. Um, <laughs> you, you got this Sean Knickerbocker. <laughs> Instagram user Sean Knickerbocker asked, what comic are you most proud of and why? 
Oh, jeez. I don't know. I guess uh, Blammo number 10 was a really solid issue of Blammo. That's probably my favorite comic book that I've ever done. But the complete Fonte Bukowski is like my favorite graphic novel that I've ever put together. And that's because like I had no planning. Like there was no story thought out on any of that stuff. I just like started with a dumb joke making fun of like the kinds of guys that I dealt with like in the zine world. And then I just kept going for fucking 450 pages or whatever. (laughs) So like it somehow worked out. So I think that's like my greatest triumph is that book. Nice. Friend of the show, Shrelp, because I'm not going to read your Instagram username, Shrelp, uh, asked, who are Noah's inspirations and how does he come up with ideas for his comics? Inspirations? Uh, yeah, I mean, I said Daniel Klaus is a big hero of mine. Fuck, I don't know. Uh, it changes all the time. Like right now I'm reading Bill Griffith. I don't know if you guys like him at all. Yeah, I'm waiting. Uh, he's doing a Nancy or a Bushmiller yeah, book that's soon, right. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, okay. yeah I'm, I'm reading um, this book that he did called Lost and Found. Yeah, that's what's called Lost and Found. It's like a collection of his stuff from like the 1969 to 2003. Is it a lot of zippy stuff? Yeah, there's a lot of zippy stuff, but then like okay. Mr. Toad and like, um, so you know, like random stories that he did for like Arcade or Weirdo. Like he just put it all together in one big book. Yeah. It's, it's really great. So I've been getting into that. I don't really, I don't really have like a lot of like artists that I'm like a fanboy of though. And what was the other part of the question? How do you come up with ideas for your comics? Oh, man. Isn't that like the most cliched? <laughs> <laughs> totally. Shrope, in his defense, is a 15-year-old kid over in India, though. So wow. uh, making okay. fun of a 15-year-old Indian, not a good look. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 he's awesome. Yeah, we, uh, we, had to, we have a Discord, and Shrope's in there, and I had to make, once he told everybody his age, I had to make an over-18 room where we can post, like, nudity <laughs> yeah. in comics. Uh, <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, man. How do I come up with my ideas, though? It's just like, do you guys do this? Like, you just have, like, a notebook where you just kind of, like, drawing random random shit that comes to your comes to mind or whatever like i don't i don't like i don't yeah i don't know there's no yeah. there's no good answer to that like it's just like just basically making fun of other people or whatever <laughs> inspires stories yeah it's, Trolling it's, it's a mixture your of main yeah. uh, source of ideas That's yeah right. for me it's a mixture of like yeah just like drawing shit and then i'll keep the if i have like a, a story idea i'll write like a paragraph in the iphone notes app and then it you know i'll go look at that when i don't have anything to draw or whatever well, like right now, like on my desk, I'm drawing a comic called The Floating Head with Bad Breath. And it's just about a guy who's like tortured by this head, this like floating head that keeps <laughs> yeah. coming into his bedroom at night and just breathing on him. So I don't know where that comes from, but. <laughs> All right. Instagram user Vinyl Santi asked, uh, what motivated him to do that YouTube show he's doing besides the pandemic? We already covered this. Yeah. Thank you for your question, though. Instagram user Stupid underscore Sketchbook asked, what are your thoughts on Philip Guston? Um, I don't even know if I'm pronouncing that right. Do you think he has to offer cartoonists work? I don't really know what he's getting at there, but yeah. Uh, I like his I like his work. I like his drawings and paintings. Do, does he have to offer people work? What is yeah, that? I'm not yeah, sure. I he might have, uh, you know, the person might have mistyped something here. Uh, yeah. Uh, so know. we don't know. Sorry, uh, stupid sketchbook. Try again next time, though. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> friend of the show and uh, Aussie extraordinaire. Bad Teeth Comics asked, will the next uh, biography comic by NVS presents a history of ECW and why the hell not? That's a good point. Yeah. That is that is good. Somebody should do that. That would be great. Yeah. Are you familiar with ECW? Did Of you, course. Yeah, yeah of okay. course. <laughs> I mean, if I'm being perfectly honest, no, if you did that book... <laughs> you'd sell a lot it would sell it would do numbers and also like you would have a whole new demographic of people being in your work and and the floating head with bad breath would be at your table so like that's 
I think that's kind of a Box Brown book. Speak of the though. devil, like, Box Brown maybe. wrote in. and uh, Box, <laughs> oh, really? Box uh, uh, sent in a question asking who. Uh, so because, there you uh, go. Oh, he doesn't even know who I am after <laughs> yeah. all these years. <laughs> no more fake friends, 2021, baby. <laughs> yeah. What the hell? All righty. Uh, next question came from Instagram user Blue Skies Comic. When are we getting the sword-wielding cat strips? Um, never. I did all that stuff. I don't have anything else to do with it. Yeah. And you know what? Honestly, I didn't even invent that character, so I feel kind of bad. Like, I was, I did like a, re- a residency in, um, in France with a bunch of other cartoonists, and somebody else invented that character as like something we could collaborate on, and I just took that character and used it. So, Damn. Sorry about that. Were they French? Modern day Stan Lee over here. <laughs> I think they were, I think. Were they French? I don't know. They're, I can't remember who even who it was. Like, it was a, <laughs> it was this thing where like we were all sitting around a big table and we were supposed to uh, all draw an original character um, and then hang them up on this board and then we we're gonna choose which character to use and then we were all gonna work on a graphic novel about this one character. So that's what we did. And uh, but the character, one of the characters was that cat, and um, I just like drawing that cat so much that when I came back to America, I just kept drawing it. So well, uh, listeners, if if you're uh... If you're still sticking with us, Stan Lee in his 80s could remember every name of every person he stole from. And uh, and Noah in, at 37 cannot be bothered. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Uh, all right. Uh, friend of the show, Instagram user, MS Harkness. What's up, MS? What's up? She asked, congrats on the baby. What is the one white trash growing up poor thing you do that you can't let go from childhood? I use my inking pens until they are fully dry and unusable for making any kind of line. Poor kid solidarity. Yeah. Well, I I have a, I bite my nails. <laughs> That's something I'm always working on trying to stop. Same here, dude. Well, you could try getting into yeah. smoking cigarettes. <laughs> yeah. uh, poor kid thing i'm like i'm pretty bad about if there's any food in the house like i i eat it before anybody else like my wife will get like a some brownies or something and then she'll go to work and she'll come home they'll all be gone <laughs> is that a poor kid thing yes that's, that's yes, more like a fat here's kid why. thing no no here's why though because i grew up poor but in a big family so like if any kind of treat was introduced into the house you had to get as much of it as you possibly could before everybody else did. <laughs> yes, okay. it's funny you bring that up. I was I was rereading the uh, the Jinko Jeans book, and yeah. you had a strip in there about how the Tasty Cake truck driver <laughs> threw you a box, and you hid it in your floor yeah. from your siblings. That's right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you had to do that, man, because everybody else would get it all. So even if you weren't hungry, you know, just yeah, just yeah, eating the eel, <laughs> put oh, a yeah. bunch of Oreos in your mouth. <laughs> uh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All righty. On our Discord, Instagram user Drew B. Hall asked, what was his favorite and least favorite part of living in Columbus? I love seeing the little Columbus references, Upper Cup, Half Price Books, etc. and Blamo 8. Kind of covered that, but do you yeah. have anything to kind of circle back around about Columbus? Um, no, it was just the museum was really great for cartoonists yeah. and stuff. That place rocks. I need to go when uh, the Billy Ireland. I need to go to the Billy Ireland when it's not CXC because I don't think they let you in the uh, like the reading room yeah. and you can't request strips that week because they're so fucking busy. Yeah. So I need to make a trip up there and uh, you know because I know you can request to look at stuff. So I need to do that when well, there's not so much going on. That's how I met my wife. Was uh, she worked there and she was in charge of doling out the strips. Like I'd go over there and be like, "Can I see some Harold Gray?" And then I'd sit there and read a bunch of Little Orphan Annie comics. And she was the one working there. So we had a little a little thing. 
Oh. So were you going to read the strips or were you going to see her? Uh, it became more about her after, yeah. after a bit. <laughs> yeah. Hell yeah. Discord user Major Tom 95 asked, how does it feel to get a Christmas card from Klaus? <laughs> Klaus keeps coming up on this. This is funny. Yeah, flex. Yeah, no, it's great. It's because it's work that isn't published anywhere else. So it's kind of fun to see what he did that year, you know. Is it is it just like a single card or does he send it out like a zine or something like he that? He sends it? out like a just like a card. It's usually like a he tries to sum up his entire year on a Christmas card. Mm-hmm. So it's usually pretty funny. Like the last I think last year was like uh, his wife was like uh, using Zoom all the time. But like he had nobody to talk to on Zoom because he didn't have any friends or something. So <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the victim of success. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All righty. Jason Morrow asks, was it hard for Noah to find his own unique voice as a cartoonist? Uh, I don't know if I have, to be honest. I don't know. I guess maybe. I mean, I, you know, I came in through the Robert Crumb door, so it took a long time to kind of get away from that, though you can always tell like where a cartoonist entered comics from. So I, I don't know how unique my voice is, honestly. That's a good answer. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's not. Discord user Jerry Groth asks, uh, for all three Jerry of you, Groth. I don't know what. How, how does he pronounce that? <laughs> no, no, that's just, it's it's a play on Gary Groth. I'm assuming. Oh, <laughs> okay, I yeah, see. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. For all three of you at this point in your experience, what are you really looking for when you open a comic by someone you've never read before? Is there anything you see on the page that generally gets you excited about comics these days? Oh, and uh, also ask Noah if he's Team Seth, Chester, or Joe. I guess I'm Team. I like Seth the most out of all those guys. I reread Joe Matt's stuff like every year. But my answer to that is that I just want like a good story. Like I, that's mm-hmm. that's what I'm into. So like I I like when I appreciate that. Like just like good. Like when they don't when it's not like a bunch of filler. Like when it's just like a really solid story. And that's that gets kind of rare to see. So especially with graphic novels because everybody's just trying to fill out page count. Right. But yeah. you know, do you, are you looking for a good story from um, a writing standpoint, a drawing standpoint, or both? Uh, both. I mean, uh, but uh, yeah. art. I could. I can. Deal with bad art if the story is really good, if it's like interesting. Same. Yeah. But yeah, that's, I mean, those are the things that I want to keep too. Like when it, when the time comes when I'm like trying to go through my collection and make some room for new stuff, mm-hmm. the stuff that I keep is always the, the books that have like a really interesting story. Yeah, for sure. Um, I'm kind of the same way, you know, uh, I could deal with bad art as long as the story is good uh, from a writing aspect and, you know, vice versa as well. You know, there's some books that are just great to look at, but read like shit. Yeah. Well, Marina, Marina Harkness is a good example of like really good. Like you, she doesn't waste any space, you know, and she Agreed, she yeah. always has something that she wants to say and she has a lot to say about it. So she's a really solid cartoonist. Yeah. Uh, we've said it on here before. We think, you know, we're really close with MS. So like we come off as biased all the time, but uh, <laughs> I really do think that people will be talking about MS's work in 20 years. Oh, I agree. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Amazing draftsman and great writer. So yeah. Yeah. And she's not going oh. anywhere. She's, she's a cartoonist. No, no, she's in it. Oh, yeah. She's <laughs> like, she's yeah. organizing this like retreat for us, like to go rent a cabin and she's like, it's going to be work camp. And I'm kind of like, can we just chill? <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm doing some research for my weed book. Uh, yeah. so. <laughs> my new book is called Hanging with the Fellows. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, for me, I mean, I've always been more of a visual guy, to be honest, and that's, I, I don't really know why that is, but uh, nowadays when I'm trying to pick up a new book, the art is usually the first thing that I'm going to notice, and then from there I'll find out if the story's worth my time or not. But even if the story's not good, I can still enjoy the art. 
That's always okay. been my perspective on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I know I wasn't asked this, but I'm also uh, Team Seth. Yeah. So out of the three of the Canadians, I'm Team Seth. Yeah, I'm a huge Seth I Rogen also, fan. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do reread Joe Matt more often than all of them, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I hope Joe Matt puts out something new. I feel like every couple years he'll post like a stack of Bristol board and you're like, oh, shit, new Joe Matt coming. And then five years pass and then it's, you know, just. Yeah, I know. What's that whatever. about, man? It's like he's always it's like maybe he just gives up too easy or something. I don't know what it is, and I just, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know how much of that stuff is true, but maybe he just has enough money to where he doesn't have to draw anymore, you know, from hoarding. I, <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, it is it is strange, though. I, I ended up buying that big-ass Drawn and Quarterly book just because it was like 16 unpublished Joe Oh, Matt yeah. That pages. was a good, that was good, too, man. That was really funny. Yeah, that was, that was like the main reason why I bought that thing, so. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I guess Joe uh, is, you know, close first. I remember, I don't know, you probably won't remember this, but I met you, Noah, at CXC in 2016 or 17 and uh you were drawing in my book and we were talking about chester brown uh posting his dick pic on patreon oh yeah yeah <laughs> oh man did you see that were you uh, were you on his patreon no you actually graphically described what it looked oh, like man. and uh yeah <laughs> it was awful man that was horrible yeah. how did he sur- how did he get away with doing that yeah, I truly don't know, especially because, you know, quote unquote, like, you know, sensitive PC culture was, you know, running rampant at that time. Yeah. So for them to just post hog on Patreon and charge for it, that's wild. Uh, I mean, from my perspective, well, it's you know, no different from OnlyFans. OnlyFans. Account, you know? Yeah, I was, I was about to backtrack on that. So yeah, yeah Chester, starting an OnlyFans. Oh my God. Post your, post, <laughs> post your big opinions on OnlyFans. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> All right. Eddie from Stranger Fanzine asked, how did you end up doing that Grateful Dead bio comic? It feels like the only inspired choice z2 has ever made on one of their books and (laughs) and also ask noah what his favorite manga is god my favorite manga i don't know like uh the tatsumi books that tron quarterly put out yeah those are bangers yeah i return to those all time a drifting life i've reread that book four times i love that book uh the z2 thing was interesting man because i think he's right about it like you know, they asked me if I wanted to do that book, and I was like, "Oh, that's that'd be a really interesting challenge." Like, I I really got into it, but I think I found out later when it was published that it wasn't that it was like a product to them, and they didn't give a shit. Like, I was like ready. I was like, "This is like a I'm going to put my art into this and stuff." And I realized that they didn't even care about that. Like, I don't think they even wanted that. So it just kind of came and went really quickly and. It was kind of depressing, man. Honestly, I, I just didn't understand what it was I was involved in. And me and the writer, the writer felt the same way. We were just like, what? So well, and I'll say this, like, I, I really thought this was going to, no offense, I just thought this was going to be like a huge breakout book for you. Because I mean, it's the fucking Grateful Dead. It seems like a layup, right? Well, um, it could have been. It's just so- that, that, that that publisher, just like, that's what they do is they crank out music biographies. And they don't, it's not like they're putting any kind of marketing effort into it. They just are putting out music biographies and selling it to the fans. So it would have been better if I had done a Grateful Dead book for like Abrams or Fantagraphics or something. They would have, you know, they would have actually treated it like something that, you know, I don't know, something that we actually put our heart into. So yeah, that was a depressing experience. Hmm. Damn. Hate to hear that. Mm -hmm. Well, it was a good book, you know, in my opinion. So hats off to you all for getting through it. Next question comes from previous guest in front of the show, Audra Stang. Noah, I've always enjoyed your specificity when drawing places you're familiar with. What elements of your new home in South Carolina do you most enjoy drawing or feel most compelled to draw? I don't know. Have I drawn that much of it? I don't think I... I mean, there's nothing really that I (laughs) have drawn. What can I... I can't remember. I guess in Boring, I drew South Carolina, but uh, just my neighborhood. So, I don't know. I, I just haven't really gotten into it yet. But I, I do want to say that I'm a fan of her work. Uh, Audra's great. I really like her yeah, comics. Yeah, totally. 
Love their books. Yeah. Friend of the show, Beef Jam's Mark, asked, for Noah, are comics fucked or what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> not alternative comics. Alternative comics can be just fine. Uh, mainstream comics, yeah, they're fucked. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, I think the direct-to-market stuff is yeah, pretty much gr- digging its own grave at this point. It's, so It's like circling the toilet bowl. That's what it feels like. Yeah. Well, DC just got sold to fucking Discovery no right, yesterday or something. Yeah. Like uh, all Warner Brothers and HBO got offloaded from AT&T to Discovery. So wow. another man. jump there. It's yeah. crazy, man. I just feel like <laughs> artists in the mainstream are just like losing their minds too. Like everybody's going crazy because they, yeah, they don't know what's going on, you know? Super weird uh, times. You know, the main distributors going belly up, hopefully. Um, what are, what's going to happen to all these letters? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Because they're I certainly mean, not going to be making comics after this. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, like we do books for bookstores, alternative cartoonists at this point. Like, because the comic shops treated us like shit. So we right. live there. Right. We just do stuff for bookstores. And like, if I have any comics I want to self publish, I'll do that. And I'll just uh, tell the people who are following me about it. Like, I, I'm going to survive no matter what. I don't know what's going on with the mainstream comics industry. Yeah. Yeah. Hell and, yeah. Uh, you know, I think you've set yourself up in this nice situation where you have garnered this large audience that you can, yeah. you know, just directly <laughs> market to. You don't even have to worry about anything else. It's pretty yeah. nice. Well, I think that's honestly, people ask, you know, how do you become a successful cartoonist? And I obviously don't have this shit figured out and I'm obviously not successful. But I think the key in my experience would be getting a small crowd of, you know, a couple hundred, 500 yeah. faithful readers that are willing to buy every project. And I feel like cartooning is. Yeah, a, uh, sustainable yeah. lifestyle at that point. It is definitely. I mean, I, I could, you know, that's my. I was gonna say, it seems like maybe that's kind of how you are, right? Yeah, definitely. I, I'm very fortunate that I have, you know, a couple thousand people that will read my work, but then I have uh, 500 who will buy it no matter what, you know, mm-hmm. and that, yeah, it's just like you said, like you can live off of that, you can do it. So, yeah. And kind of going full circle with this conversation, even those that have maybe not garnered that audience the way you have yet, they still have new avenues being set up that allow them to sell their books or get published in a way that they otherwise wouldn't have had. Uh, So, (laughs) things are looking up for small press. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I don't know if it's because, yeah, I don't know if it's because I'm like too close to it, but it seems like it's really booming right now. Yeah, I agree. It's in a really good, a really good place. Yeah, and like I mean, folks, our Patreon is patreon.com backslash cut points. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we we just hit six hundred a month, and we're uh, Man, I think awesome. one subscriber away from a hundred. So if you want to subscribe and get Great. extra episodes, we even do a monthly zine. Patreon.com forward slash gutterboys. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so uh, Noah, now that we got our shit in, uh, where can people find you online? Uh, what is my, my YouTube is just, I think, Noah Van Skyver YouTube. I don't, I don't know what my, <laughs> nice. the link is. <laughs> and Patreon you is Google just, it. Patreon yeah. is just the same. It's just a Patreon forward slash Noah Van Skyver. Are uh, you posting? Um, I haven't checked out your Patreon. Are you uh, posting pretty regularly there? Yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. As regularly cool. as I can. So, yeah. Yeah. Nice. Are you on, you're on Instagram as well? Yeah. I'm on Instagram. Just, I think it's just Noah VS. Yeah. I don't know. And Facebook, but I don't, you don't need to be friends with me on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> Alrighty. I like that caveat. Uh, That's nice. Yeah. I, I tell people all the time, I'm like, please don't add me on Facebook. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one is if, if you pretty much have like a window of opportunity to get there from like 2007 to 2016, <laughs> now I'm not approving anybody. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I'm the same way, honestly. Like I have all these people that want to, I can't even tell, like probably most of them are, are like porn or something. And I'm, <laughs> yeah. I just don't even accept anybody anymore because like uh, I don't know who they are. We have like two friends in common. I'm like, I don't. 
who is this person? So, <laughs> totally. Yeah, forget it. All right. Well, Noah, thank you so much for coming on to the show. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. That was a lot of fun, guys. Yeah, totally. Uh, maybe we'll have you back for a bonus episode and, yeah. and, and you know, get a little blue. Yeah. But, <laughs> get a little blue. <laughs> uh, in the meantime, yeah, go check out Noah's work if you haven't already. You, if you're listening to this, you, you probably have every book. What am I even yeah. saying? Uh, but <laughs> thanks so much for listening. So, yeah, as always, uh, you know, stay gutter. Yeah.